Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome, everybody, to your Winter Olympics headquarters. This is Mike and Gino, and we're going to be talking the full hour on curling, figure skating, ice <laughs> hockey, and everything else that Gino wants to talk about because I know there's nothing going on in the sports world today. Some moves today. I, I can Mike. see the smile through the microphone, my friend. Who's the Lake Show? Man, Why don't you tell us how you're feeling right now? You and I spoke. Uh, right now, for a lot of people listen to our show on um, on demand. So later, when we go live, we're live from 11, to, uh, 11 a.m. to noon Pacific time. And we spoke last night, Mike, and there had been no- nothing that happened in the NBA tra- trade de- deadline yet. Nothing. Um, there's about an hour until the deadline ends. And so generally, you get all the activity right before. And man, oh man, this morning we saw... Just to give you an overview, this is what the Cleveland Cavaliers have done today. They traded Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, Derek Rose, Iman Shumpert, Channing Fry, and Dwayne Wade, and a first-rounder. They've gotten back George Hill, Rodney Hood, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr., and a second-rounder for Miami. They did all of that this morning. They did all of that. Based, they did not speak with LeBron uh, over the last few weeks. Brian Windhorst had, has reported that they have not been asking LeBron about any um, personnel player decisions, what he thinks, anything moving forward, because they're getting the feeling that LeBron might leave. If he leaves, they don't want this to be LeBron's team anymore. So they said, LeBron, this is going to be our team. I honestly think they got a lot better. The guys they got rid of, uh, you got Wade and Rose, who are older guys, and you're really not getting a ton out of them. Channing Fry, you're really not getting a lot out of him anymore. Jay Crowder and Isaiah Thomas, from every report, have been bad in the locker room. They've not been happy since they were traded there. They liked being in Boston. Uh, last year, Isaiah was hurt most of the year to start. I think they, they've they not really had great attitudes. I, I really think they improved. George Hill's a, a solid piece. Rodney Hood is a solid piece. Uh, Clarkson and Nance, I know very well. Clarkson is an excellent off the bench uh, scorer. He's one of the, been one of the top scorers off the bench in the NBA the last couple of years. He can win you some games and he can score twenty five or thirty points on a on a given night. And then Larry Nance is kind of that um, l- does the little things guy. He gets some rebounds. He can block a shot here or there. I'm I'm not really as high on Larry Nance as a lot of other people. He's offensively very limited, but on a team like this where you're going to have LeBron. And even all of the guys they acquired are offensive guys. George Hill can score, Rodney Hill, uh, Rodney Hood can score, and Clarkson can score. Nance won't really have to score. Um, he's going to be able to kind of hold serve a little bit while Kevin Love recovers from his injury. Did you, uh, did you have a minute to write all that down, Mike? Well, I mean, here's the thing, though. Are all of these things for the bigger picture in the future? Is it to get the Cavs over this little slump and get into the playoffs and make a run this year? I'm I'm a little bit confused. You know, it's interesting that you point out that these moves were made, you know, at least what's being reported without the consultation of the king himself, right? So I'll come back and say, well, how did all the other moves that he obviously had a hand in bringing in 
D Rose and Dwayne Wade, how those moves turned out. Not good. And, and that's and, why I think this is going to be bad. And he couldn't make it work with Kyrie. So, I mean, I was joking with you before we came on there and I was like, you know, it's funny because when you look at this, when all is said and done, this basically was a trade, uh, trading out Kyrie and, and getting back Nance and Clarkson. And Clarkson. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, you're right. And, and what's come out in the last couple of days is that LeBron was frustrated because when the front office spoke to him in the offseason and he had learned that Kyrie was very upset and that Kyrie was demanding a trade, LeBron said, don't trade him, bring him into camp and let me deal with him. We'll get over this. We'll get through this. I'll make it work. They did not do that. They, you know, so LeBron's been frustrated ever since then because he did not want he knew how good Kyrie was, and he did not want to get rid of Kyrie. And nothing against Isaiah Thomas, but it was it, you weren't getting back Isaiah Thomas. You were getting back an injured Isaiah Thomas. And that's been the, the issue so far is we don't know if Isaiah Thomas will ever return to the level of play that he was at last year for Boston. I mean, in particular last year, he, he probably never will because that was an incredible kind of all-time type season. But as a Laker fan, what I like is you're getting back a rental. You're getting back a guy like Isaiah Thomas who has not played well this year. He's hungry. He's playing for a contract. The Lakers got what they wanted and needed most, and that was all this cap space, Mike, all this flexibility. They have options moving forward now, and they have their young core. They didn't move any of their pieces. The the Lakers are going to really build around the young core of kids. So moving forward, you're going to see Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, and now you know over the last couple weeks, Josh Hart has – really put himself into that discussion. And I think because of the play of Josh Hart, that made Clarkson even more flexible. You know, Josh Hart has been starting. Now you're looking at this lineup going, you know, we have a starting number two guard now, flexible moving forward. Let's get something back for Clarkson. They did. They got rid of Clarkson's contract for the next few years. They got a first round draft pick also. I really, really like this trade for the Lakers. And now, you know, Lonzo's not... Lonzo's hurt still. He's probably not going to play until after the All-Star break. Now you can kind of just uh, slide Isaiah in there. You have a hungry Isaiah. Isaiah Thomas, who is named Isaiah Thomas because his father was a Laker fan and lost a bet And when the Lakers played the Pistons in the finals. And because he lost that bet, he had to name his son Isaiah Thomas. Uh, and he, what I like about that is you know his dad's an honest man because he stuck to his, uh, he stuck to his <laughs> he son. He paid up. He paid up and he named his son Isaiah Thomas. So I, I like that. Um, as a Laker fan, I'm really excited because they just they have a good young core. They're playing good basketball, and now they have options. They have, they're going to have enough room to get two max guys this offseason if that so if they so choose. If that happens, if they want to get one, and then you know that's what uh, this is really all about, right? I mean, options, flexibility, you know, the options and flexibilities, and being able to bring in it, that big name next year. So I guess we're going to have to be able to to look at it from this perspective. This trade can only be evaluated probably six months from now, maybe yeah. a year from now. But my questions for you are this. I got three of them, which are, number one, if the Lakers don't land LeBron or George or both, is this trade a failure? If not, those guys, who would be the next best options come next summer? Second question is, do the Lakers think they legitimately have a chance for LeBron, which would then go to number three, which is, would LeBron in his right mind ever consider going to the Lakers? And I ask it from this perspective. He's going to still have to contend with the Warriors and a lot of other 
really tough teams in the West where he's got a e- much easier path in the East. Now, if he's the guy that comes late in his career to the Lakers, like many others have done, they've all won championships. What if he doesn't? What does that do to his legacy, to his reputation? You know, Shaq was able to do it and many others in the great history of the Lakers. What if he comes and he doesn't do it? Is that going to be lingering in his mind? One, I never thought LeBron was going to come to L.A. to begin with. Um, I thought that there were rumors and stuff out there. I think he's going to go somewhere maybe. I could see even Houston are are the rumblings that I'm hearing. Uh, I I think a key to this trade and why this trade was made for the Lakers, and I I think even if you swing and miss and you don't get a LeBron and you don't get a Paul George, I still like this trade because what it does, the Lakers have just showed they have faith in two guys that they were not expecting at the beginning of the year to be this good. And that's Kyle Kuzma and Josh Hart. I think that's why you move Larry Nance, honestly, because Kyle Kuzma doesn't get enough minutes right now. And you look at the way Josh Hart is playing and you say, you know what? We like Clarkson, but now we're getting back another first round pick. We have another asset now, and now we have space. So maybe we don't get a big name free agent, but then maybe we can kind of take a swing on uh, on the next tier guy, uh, I don't know, you know, a guy like Jabari Parker, who just got back from an injury, he's going to be, you know, if he plays well, maybe he's a guy, um, you know, what do you do with, uh, I, I think uh, Capella is also going to be one, you know, there's a lot, and then in a couple of years from now, you could take a big swing, but what's key, Mike, is that I think they're improving, they're going to, they're really just putting the faith in this young core of guys now, hey, Kuzma, we like you, we got some more time for you now, we just cleared some space, and now there's going to be some more minutes for you with Nance. Hey, Hart, we like you. We're going to do the same. Um, those are going to be the four guys, and hopefully Randall going forward for the Lakers. I think this is excellent, no matter if you land someone next year or not. Um, well, what about then on the Cleveland side? And, and on the Cleveland side, what I like about this is Cleveland now, if LeBron leaves, they're not a complete dumpster fire next year. Because they at least have some pieces in an Eastern Conference that isn't unbelievable you at least have you know a Kevin Love and the pieces that you got today you know Clarkson um Hill Hood are guys that might be able to hang around for you and those are actual NBA players and rotation players they're not you know guys that are you know past their prime let's be honest Dwayne Wade uh Derek Rose Jeff Green those are guys that are getting a lot of rotation time they were just past their prime and they just really weren't a good fit in Cleveland. I, I think Cleveland did a really good job today. I think so will they, will they make be, a run? Yeah. And honestly, I think it'll Do take, they have a championship roster now? I don't think, I don't think they were ever going to win the championship, but I definitely think they could make it to the Eastern conference finals. I look at Boston and you know, Boston has Kyrie, but Boston isn't necessarily scary. Uh, they're very well coached. They don't make a lot of mistakes, but to me, they're not a scary, scary team because besides Kyrie, the rest of the team offensively is very limited. They can go often without scoring. Um, for Cleveland, this will improve their defense slightly just because they're getting a little younger and more athletic. None of these guys are like defensive stoppers or necessarily incredible defenders, but they're just younger and they're more athletic. And I think they're going to be hungrier. You're getting guys now, and, and when you think about it, another thing, guys who just went from teams where um, they were on you know, losing teams in not great situations, struggling, and now they're on a team that's going to be in the playoffs and you're playing next to LeBron. So that's got to pump up a, uh, a Hill, a Hood, a Clarkson, even a Larry Nance. I'm sure they're sad to leave the Lakers because they've been around the Lakers now, the Clarkson and Nance for a few years, but really, really like this move. I think it helps uh, both teams going forward and Cleveland, to me, is better, younger. They'll take a little more time to gel, give them a month, 
and I think they'll be, you know, they'll probably finish still the top four. And, and then you got LeBron. I mean, honestly, in a seven-game series when you can go every other day, do you want to bet against LeBron? He can carry a team. That's clear yeah. cut. We've seen that time and time again. And I'm just curious now as to what, what if any, ripple effect is there for the rest of the Eastern Conference? Does Ainge sit back? Do, you know, do the Celtics make a move? Do any other teams make a move? You know, it, it's interesting because Celtics are always going to be sitting pretty with how many picks they've got. When, with the and young remember, roster. And, and like you said, Hayward. they're really well coached. And Hayward, that's the thing you forget about the Celtics, too, is that they have. He might come back this year. I've heard, you know, he's trying for like the playoffs. You know, I I don't think he would be able to make it back by the season, but he would be trying to make it back for like a second round playoff series or something. But, you know, that's a a all star caliber player that you haven't had on your team all year long. So um, Boston's in in excellent shape, too. Yeah, it, It would be as if they made a trade. You know, yeah. and, and got and got one of the best players in the league. To me, I think if they sit back and do nothing, that tells me that they feel that they've got enough guns to be able to get to the finals. And let's face it, if you're in the East, your goal is to, to get to the finals. Yeah, of course, everybody wants to win the championship. But if you get to the finals, you know, you've taken that step to dethrone the Cavs and LeBron. I think that's like a, a big plus. You've got so many picks. You're stacked. You've got a stacked future ahead of you. I wouldn't wow. do anything, you know, knee-jerk reaction to counter this move. I would just sit back if I'm Ainge because I think they've got enough guns to be able to get there. Man, yeah, this is uh, this is fun. There's just a lot going on right now. So this It is, is a great. lot of fun. It's funny yeah. because, like I said, last night I was I was Nothing. thinking, you know, there might not be a lot to, to, to really talk about. We said you know, we might just scrap the – we were like, we'll just kind of briefly touch on it. But if there's nothing, we might just kind of scrap the segment because – well, why are we going to have a trade deadline segment when there's nothing? Okay, so... So um, basically, I watched I watched three rounds of, of curling for no reason last night. Is that basically yes. what you're telling me? Yeah, yeah I guess yeah. so. But I, I guess did so. get a message from our buddy Alex Regla, uh, our, Lakers, uh, our Lakers guy he, for uh, Lakers SBN. And he said the Lakers accomplished all they wanted with the trade. In the short term, you got more proven talent in IT and Fry. And in the process, set themselves up nicely in terms of financial flexibility with the expiring contracts and the first rounder. Really a home run trade if the Lakers' current objectives are to use their cap flexibility as their advantage going forward when it could be signing free agents or becoming a uh, dumping ground for bad contracts attached with assets slash draft picks and young players. So hey, Magic yeah. had something, man. He was slapped with a $50,000 fine the other day. He had to come back swinging, you know? He hey, let's to. shake up the NBA a little bit, you know? Uh, so yeah. speaking of shaking things up a little bit, in the NFL, big Signing just uh, minutes before we came on the air, Jimmy Garoppolo, five years, $137.5 million contract with the 49ers. It's the biggest deal on an average per year basis in NFL history. Very interesting for somebody that threw seven touchdowns and five interceptions last year. Isn't this amazing that the Super Bowl feels like it was five months ago? It was four days ago. And, and it's like the Super Bowl is just such old news. Now, we've already had uh, the big story about Josh McDaniels in the last couple of days come out where he accepted the job to the Colts as their head coach and then um, turned the job down after the Colts already announced him and signed some of his uh, coaches, his assistants, which is a crazy story we'll touch on in a second. And now Jimmy G comes out. It's like it's such a crazy news cycle in, in this world we live in nowadays. It's like, there's always something happening in, even in the NFL, when the Super Bowl just happened, you feel like, okay, now we'll, we'll, there'll be at least a few weeks of quiet, not a whole lot to go on for a little while. Not the case at all. Uh, Jimmy GQ now is uh, the highest paid player in football. That is unbelievable. Uh, I, I like the confidence that the 49ers have. Let's just say that. Who knows with Jimmy G, but I, I get the feeling, Mike, I really do. He does feel like a special guy. He does feel like one of those guys that knows how to win. When I've watched some of his like 
um, the the inside the NFL stuff they have, where you see him on the sidelines where he's mic'd up. He looks like a leader. He does look like a mini Tom Brady. He's walking by. He's like he's kind of you know he's talking to everyone. He's smacking him on the butt. Like I I want to turn around and let him kind of just give me a pat, you know, because I I want to I want to go play with him. He's he really seems like a leader, and I uh I think that's a great move for for the 49ers to lock this guy up and the money's going to go up for everyone in a few years. He won't be the highest paid player anymore. No, I'll tell you this much. Name me one player or personnel individual, whether it be general manager, head coach, assistant, offensive player, defensive player that was on the Patriots and went on to do bigger things after he left the Patriots. Since this Belichick regime has been in place. I challenge you to find me one. No, there's not, there's not many. And you this, could look at whether it be Scott Pioli uh, as a GM, whether it be Matt Castle as a quarterback, whether it be Charlie Weiss or Mangini or the, Romeo Cornell. I mean, I could go on and on and on, whether it be personnel people, scouting people, players, coaches. Nobody's gone on to do bigger and better things once he left the Patriots' way. So you're, you're I'm not on. saying that he's going to be a bust. I'm just no. saying – I think that anybody who leaves that system and succeeds afterwards has a lot to prove that they're able to win outside of that system. That's all yep. I'm going to say about it because nobody's gone on to do bigger, better things. The only one that maybe did comparable things was Wes Welker, but that's because he was playing with Peyton Manning, who is on a mission to, to prove that he still had something left in the tank. And he sure did. He had some of his best years with the Broncos right after that neck surgery. So outside of Welker, and I'd say, I don't know if he necessarily exceeded what he did with the Patriots. He probably matched it, right? Yeah. So outside of him, uh, Jimmy G's got a lot to prove. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, you're, no, you're, you're 100% right. I would only, I would, to me, this situation feels slightly different in, in that he he just feels like a Patriot still. He just feels like he was like taken. And I know uh, we're going to see some of their coaches, or in particular Patricia now, go out and we'll see if he'll be able to do it on their own. But in this particular case, it feels like he's just been a Patriot always. Um, he's not a guy that's like come to the Patriots, come for a year, then left. He's just always been a Patriot. To me, he seems mini Brady. So I agree with everything that you said before. I definitely feel like this is going to be a different situation. And, and if I was a betting man, and I mean, I'm definitely not a betting man, like that I would, uh, I would. I would put my money on Jimmy G succeeding. I would. But I will say this. I would not bet on the 49ers this year because I read that in some books, they're like 20 to 1 uh, to win the Super Bowl because so many people were high on them after the way they finished last year. So they're going to be better odds on them or worse odds, depending on how you look at it. But I mean, they're lower odds on the 49ers than the Raiders with Carr and Gruden and the team that was the trendy pick coming into last season. Yeah. And as we've seen, a lot of times the teams are able to you know, find their way the year after everybody picks them. It's kind of what happened to Jacksonville, because I remember going into the 2016 season, a lot of people were high on Jacksonville. They didn't meet the expectations. It happened the year after. That could be the case with the Raiders. I'm banking on that being the case, because I do believe in Gruden and what he's going to do. Let's take a quick commercial break, Gino. And on the other side, we'll continue talking a little bit of NFL uh, as you said the other day, put a bow on the season, tie it all up, talk about a little bit about the Super Bowl, get your impressions of the game, and segue into our first guest, Scott Shapiro of Brisnet, Bet America, and Twin Spires. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back.
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. If you're looking for more information on firearms and the shooting sports, check out Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan. Kelly is the owner of McMillan Fiberglass Stocks with over 40 years of experience. Now he's ready to share some industry luminaries and their perspectives with you. If you're interested in firearms, whether it be for shooting, for fun, competition, hunting, or self-defense, Kelly is here to share his wisdom and experience. Listen live for Taking Stock with Kelly McMillan, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everybody. Before we uh, broke for commercial, we were talking a little bit more about the NFL. And uh, we want to talk a little bit about the Super Bowl and, and just kind of uh, wrap things up uh, as, a, as a season's ender. But before we do, we had a, a contest, a playoff, NFL playoff pick'em contest, and a lot of you guys were involved. It was a lot of fun. Definitely appreciate everybody that uh, was a part of it. And we have a winner, and that is Win It For Wentz. Joe! Joe, is it Quillen? Is that how to pronounce his last name? Joe Quillen? Quillen? Yeah, I think it's Quillen. But I know Joe. Joe's uh, followed me for a while on like Facebook and Twitter. Uh, he used to interact uh, when I was on TVG. And big horse Joe, racing fan, too. Yeah, yeah, Joe's a big horse racing fan. He's a big Eagles fan. That's why he won that pool. He was riding the Eagles all the way. So congratulations to Joe. Uh, Joe, we got your information, and we will contact you. We're going to set up. Uh, we're going to get you the information so we can send you the prize, and then we're going to set up. Uh, an opportunity for you to come on in the next maybe week or two, and you can uh, come on for a segment, talk with us. We can find. There's always a feature for our contest, right, G? Yeah, so we'll, we'll what, always do that. Set them we'll, up we'll as we invite the winners to come on with us. Yeah, we'll always have a prize, but in addition, we'll always invite anyone on to come on. They can talk whatever they want. I know some of my friends who joined the contest. They were like ma- um, having fun going back and forth talking about which of their horrible teams that they were going to force us to, to talk about. One of my buddies is a. Uh, uh, a couple of my buddies, like one of my buddies was in Cleveland. He was laughing. He's like, your fans are going to love it. We're going to be talking about everything Cleveland Browns going forward. We're going to dissect every one of their losses over the last two seasons. And we're going to just break down all the film. We were laughing. And uh, another one of my buddies was going back and forth. So, yeah, we'll, we'll always have fun. We'll always invite people on to talk whatever they want to talk about. And uh, we have one of our very good friends and guests joining us right now, Mike. Yes, we do. And by the way. 
the Cleveland Browns are going to be something really special to talk about in the near future. In so the future. I want everybody oh, to remember they that. Talent. Absolutely. They have talent. They have a talent. Exactly. You've got some good have- young talent, a lot of new faces. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more in a bit. But let's bring on our good friend, Scott Shapiro, with Brisnet, Twin Spires, and most recently, Bet America. Good morning, Scott. How are you? Good morning, guys. Doing well. Uh, looking forward to transitioning into some hoops and, and obviously horses uh, with football being over. Yeah. Now, before we uh, get your thoughts on the Super Bowl and, and, and get into some of the derby preps, let me first ask you more of a personal question. So I saw on Twitter the other day that you announced that you're going to be relocating from Southern California to Kentucky. Congratulations on the move, first of all. I hope it's a tremendous success for you. But maybe give us a little bit of insight as to uh, why you're, you're, uh, you're making that move. Are you originally from that part of the country? And maybe give us a little bit about Scott. No, I figured that I, uh, it's one of 40 states I haven't lived in yet, so I need to, <laughs> to, to chalk another one off the bucket list of places to live for every three. <laughs> I seem to move every three. <laughs> now, where are you originally from, Scott? I'm originally from uh, South Jersey near Philadelphia, so half the people I grew up with in the world right now are uh, getting drunk on a Thursday afternoon, uh, hopefully not messing with the city too much. And, but, uh, and, and you ended up being a Giants guy or, or not a Philly guy? Is no, that what happened? I, I was a I was this Eagle season ticket holder with my grandfather. The first uh, eighteen years of my life went to every game when Reggie White, Randall Cunningham, those days. Um, and then when the Andy Reid era came in, he disappointed me so much a couple times in those NFC Championship games, and I didn't live there anymore. That. I kind of just lost lost uh, fandom, and with the NFL, I really don't have a team anymore. I just find myself rooting for for what I need, both uh, you know, in terms of fantasy and you know, some uh, some predicting of games. So, um, but I was an Eagle fan, and I'm I'm really happy for, despite you know, kind of the obnoxious fan base. There's a lot of people in the world that I'm really happy for this week. Gotcha. So you're going to Louisville then, right? I am going to Louisville for a couple of reasons, some personal. Also, the company uh, that I work for is located there. I could still work from California, but just think it's a good time. Um, the cost of living there is obviously probably about a half of where I'm living now in Orange County, so, so that won't hurt. But, You'd be living uh, just, like a king. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm looking <laughs> at places now, and they're... 60% of what I pay now, and they're nicer. It's, uh, it's definitely going to be a nice change on that avenue. But uh, I'll miss the weather and, and miss a lot of people for sure. But now you're at least going to be up close and personal with uh, you know, the, the, the heart, in the heart of, of the horse racing industry. Yeah, it should be great. And I'll get to attend uh, my first Kentucky Derby this year, and I assume everyone uh, in, you know, for the near future, obviously working for the company and having a great event that close to home will be will definitely be cool and and i get to go to my third straight breeders cup uh without having to fly to it so it'll be nice that's what that's why you make the big bucks scott because that was a great transition because that's what we want to really talk with the most with you today about is the derby this year let's talk about some of the horses who we have seen run some of these three-year-olds and uh and their trail to the kentucky derby last weekend we saw four Four prep races that will have some impact on the uh, on the Derby Trail going forward. Over at Gulfstream, we saw the Swale and the Holy Bull. We saw the Withers at Aqueduct, and then the Bob Lewis here at Santa Anita. Let's kind of start here at Santa Anita, and we'll work our way backwards with the uh, with, with the ones we just listed. The Bob Lewis, there weren't really any of the Santa Anita, Southern California, West Coast big guns in the race. Um, we didn't see a Boltioro or McKinsey, a Salamini, Marino. They're all going to be running in the next couple weeks. 
we I was a little disappointed in, in the effort from Peace. I, I think I was expecting a little bit more from him. But what do you think going forward of the Lombo, Ayakara, Dark Vader, Regulate, Peace, that group that we saw here in the Bob Lewis? Yeah, I echo your sentiments, Gino. When it comes to peace, I kind of thought he might have stood out in this group and maybe was on his way to kind of paving himself as a contender from the West Coast. And he was really disappointing to me without really any excuse. But um, Lombo took advantage of uh, the situation, went to the lead, a great training job by Mike Pender to have him ready off the quick uh, turnaround time off the maiden win. But but I think this is a group, like you mentioned, that um, – probably isn't going to be amongst those contending for the Kentucky Derby or the Triple Crown. Maybe if Lombo can, uh, you know, earn, earn a placing in the upcoming, in his upcoming prep uh, or the Santa Anita Derby by chance, he can sneak in and, and be a pace factor uh, on the first Saturday of May. But I think what we saw was kind of a, you know, a high level, it could have been a high level optional claiming event really for, for all that, that it was uh, yeah. worth in terms of the Triple Crown picture. Yeah, um, let's move on to the Withers. Uh, the Withers, we saw Avery Island, Frenzy Fire, and Marconi kind of as the top three. To be honest, we haven't had a lot, seen a lot of horses uh, coming out of the New York races with success in the Derby. The last, you know, it's, it's been quite a while since they've had really, really major success in the Derby. I'm not, I, I thought all, there was a couple, both the, the top two have a little bit of talent. Uh, Avery Island kind of got the trip. I thought Frenzy Fire, you know, he's an honest horse. I'm not necessarily ready to say I don't know how far he wants to go. He tries hard. He he was just chasing a little bit, but I, I don't know if I saw the Derby winner in this group, but maybe a couple honest horses to, that could be like under players for me going forward. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Avery Island had his things his way with the scratch um, from the outside horse that was going to be the likely pace setter. The name is escaping, uh, escaping me, kind of made things easier, but kind of dueled uh, very early with Colton, Mississippi, uh, was able to take off that, that long shot and then kind of get to jump on the others. Um, I'm With Forensic Fire, the champagne winner, I think he's had the, got the perfect setup in the champagne, and then he came out here in the Breeders' Cup and was kind of outclassed. Um, I kind of am in the camp that he's you know, going to be at his best as a one-turn miler, maybe a seven-furlong horse. Um, either that or he's not quite up to the, you know, the, the top-level horses. I'd be surprised if we – I mean, maybe he'll make the gate um, just because of you know, accruing enough points, but I don't really consider him much, much of a factor. Um, the third-place finisher, Marconi, might be worth mentioning. He's a little bit interesting. Um, he's a $2 million son of Tappet for Todd Pletcher. And the one thing that it, you know, I've noticed about him is that he's not going to have any problem getting the distance. Um, he's kind of a, you know, a bit one-paced thus far. He appears to still be learning. But maybe a horse uh, to keep track of, and if he can accrue enough points, maybe the kind that can pick up the pieces at a price uh, in Kentucky. And then uh, we went to Gulfstream Park, and there was uh, there were two races at Gulfstream Park. First was the Swale, where you know there's a really talented horse, Strike Power, who's now two for two with some some big figures. Um, this is a horse who he did get a little tired late. He didn't really seem like he switched leads, but he does have talent, you know. And and at Gulfstream in particular, a horse like him with speed sometimes is a tough horse to beat. We saw Strike Power gotta go. Diamond King, Tricks to Do, they were in the swale. Moving forward, it looks like Strike Power is going to point to the Fountain of Youth. So we'll get a good idea because it looks like in the Fountain of Youth, he'll probably hook up with Good Magic. Kind of get a good idea where this horse will stand in his next start. Any thoughts on the swale runners? 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Uh, he's the one, strike power is the one horse to somewhat keep an eye out on. Has speed, like you said, going to try the two turns in the Fountain of Youth next. Probably not a horse that is a mile and a quarter type, but Mark Hennig seems to be getting better stock of late and taking advantage of it and uh, took advantage of it uh, with strike power at four to five in the swale. But um, probably a horse that will be better at one turn from what at least what I've seen thus far. And in the Holy Bowl was the last uh, race of the past weekend. That was a, a three-year-old kind of prep race. Audible was pretty impressive winning the race. And then he beat a trio of Dale Roman's trainees in Free Drop Billy, Tis Mischief, and Enticed. Uh, or, or excuse me, Enticed was the, is the, the Kieran. So what do, what do you think of that group going forward? Is any uh, any of them on your, on your radar? In all honesty, I actually have Enticed in uh, a fantasy league that I play in. And I, I thought that it was a good, it, I thought it was an okay race for him. I really wasn't expecting a monster effort. I would have liked to see him kind of finish a little closer. I think he'll step forward next time. I think it's kind of too early to give up on him. I like the fact that he's got to win at Churchill, but um, it, Audible, Audible was impressive. And uh, I think Free Drop Billy, Tis Mischief, to me, this was a group where you might see these horses kind of all uh, go their separate ways and maybe be competitive in future prep races. Yeah, I mean, Audible, you know, what more what, what more can you say? I was not in a, uh, an extremely, like, not in a perfect position, I should say, um, early on, kind of in tight, but stalked the early pace, and um, really, really, you know, when, when asked, like a lot of these Todd Pletchers at Gulfstream on the far turn, when asked, kind of find another gear and, and pulled away, and the New York bread has uh, done little wrong thus far, and, and I thought enough of them to move them into my uh, into fourth out of, from from not being in my top ten to fourth on my uh, KentuckyDerby.com uh, top ten. Um, so definitely impressive. I think he's going to go right to the Florida Derby from what I'm un- understanding. So he's a horse that you have to definitely keep an eye on, and I expect him to take plenty of support um, in the Kentucky Derby future wager pool coming up this weekend. Um, I also thought Free Drop Billy was worth keeping an eye on and not giving up on. First race off the bench, showed he was competitive outside of the Breeders' Cup um, You know, with the top two-year-olds. And I thought he put in a good effort. I mean, Audible obviously was much better, but I thought it was something to build off of. And obviously a horse you'll get a better price on both in future pools and moving forward because he didn't win the race. Um, in terms of the others, enticed to me, I, I was never a true believer, but I did not see enough to be, like you said, to totally you know, toss him from my thoughts now. Um, I just wonder uh, if he'll move forward off the two-year-old campaign in that last effort or if we've seen the best of him. Um, and I was a little disappointed in the Romans runners outside of free drop Billy, but maybe, um, maybe his runner in the Sam F Davis will, uh, turn things around Hollywood star. So Gosh, we'll see you're, you're doing, surprised. you're doing a great job. I was just going to ask you cause I was reading your write up a little bit. Uh, so kind of br- give, give us your overall thoughts on the Sam F Davis this weekend. Cause you, you did a, a little, um, analysis and you have a couple wagers there. And one thing I, I really like what you do, Scott, is I try to do this too, is, when you post a wager, you give your your line. You got. I like this horse at, at like five or six to one. You know, I like this horse at this price because you know when you give wagers out early, a lot of things will change. Some scratches, the weather, things can happen, and horses will get overbet. Sometimes there'll be better prices, and I, I like the fact that you do that because I think as as gamblers, that's what you have to do. You have to have your line sometimes where you just say, okay, you know what, this horse. Even if he wins or she wins, it's just not value here. 
Absolutely. I, yeah, no, I, that's something that I like to do and been, you know, when I first, you know, you don't, you don't, there's not every situation doesn't allow you to do, do it as a uh, public handicapper or an analyst, but when possible, it's nice. And uh, thanks for reading the piece and pointing it out. Uh, it's up on uh, betamerica.com. And, um, well, the clear one to be in that race, Gino, is Catholic Boy, who I have number six on my derby list off of a uh, really nice victory last year to close the year in the grade two Remsen. Uh, Jonathan Thomas might not be uh, as well known as some of the other uh, top trainers uh, on the derby trail, but this guy can train. He wins it at a high percentage at, at everywhere he goes. And this horse, uh, you know, I thought this horse might just be a turf horse, and he really moved forward in the Remsen. Um, he's going to be a short price, and my concern with him is that if Thomas is really thinking Derby, that there is very little chance that this horse is going to be fully cranked uh, first race off a two-month layoff. I would expect him to kind of hope to get a lot out of the race and have him ready for the big prep uh, up next. So at a short price, I'm going to take a shot uh, against him um, with a horse named Vouch, number seven, for the uh, red-hot Arno de la Cour barn. This horse is, I believe, 8-1 to one on the morning line, was extremely impressive in a wire-to-wire victory at Laurel in October, and then ran pretty well in that Remsen I mentioned, again, Catholic boy, where he faced winners for the first time. I think he's going to be on or right off the pace, and I think the value is right. But but overall, the Sam F. Davis came up came up solid. You have a couple. Uh, you have Vino Rosso for Todd Pletcher and Rapoli Stable. You have uh, the aforementioned Hollywood Star and then Catholic Boy. So it should be a fun race, but a lighter weekend on the Derby scene compared to last week. Scott, am I being a little bit unfair to say that um, you know so far I'm I'm really not wowed by by any of these runners that we're talking about? Uh, you know, in, in years past. There's always been a horse that just kind of stood out to me, and maybe it's because of uh, you know my West Coast bias being out here and, and watching this circuit a little bit more closely. But early on, I knew California Chrome was going to be really, really tough. Uh, American Pharaoh, the same. Even the same can be said for Nyquist. Um, you know, I even well, saw that, some well, things. That... I'll, I'll have another. I mean, obviously, we're talking about some legendary horses there, but you know, uh, I, I still contend that. The road to the Derby still comes out, comes through the West Coast until somebody can consistently take down Baffert and company and even Doug O'Neill. Well, and Scott, it looks like this year it's probably going to be the San Felipe where we'll get to see some of the big guns on the West Coast. Because right now it looks like Bolt Oro, Salomini and McKenzie are pointing there. So those would be the horses that we know that are proven that have already been very good for a few months now. And they might all hook up in the San Felipe. Maybe they'll go their separate ways. But they're, I think, pointing to that race at least right now. We're going to see Marino, uh, who's been very good in sporting chance, hook up in the Southwest. And then this weekend, we'll also see another uh, couple of Baffert runners. We'll see Axeman, who was also really, really good in the San Vicente. Yeah, the San Felipe does look like the key race. Uh, both Oro now pointing there after kind of the hiccup in, in, uh, in you know, that left them out of uh, competing this weekend um, in the San Vicente, which was supposed to be his return race. And it, see, it sounds like McKenzie is going to go to the San Felipe. Salamini lost a little bit of time, uh, came, spiked a fever. Um, not sure exactly what the deal is with him. He's never been a horse that I've considered kind of an elite horse. He's kind of that next tier, but... He keeps running first or second. He's going to keep moving forward, and he's going to be in the starting gate. Uh, 
So it's interesting. But back to your question, Mike, I think part of it might be there might not be that superstar, but, but a few of the classes that you uh, or crops that you um, spoke of, you know, California Chrome, uh, Nyquist, to name a, name a couple that, that come to mind, I would argue that their, their lack of depth in part, not to take anything away from those, those Colts, but the lack of depth in those classes kind of led a little bit to them being so dominant as well. Whereas, Fair point. Yep. I, you know, whereas now I think this is a somewhat deep, class, deep crop. I mean, obviously good magic. The, the sky is the limit given the amount of money they spent, the way he finished in that race at, you know, at Del Mar in the Breeders' Cup, and, of course, being trained by Chad Brown. I just, you know, I can't rule him out from being a star. But I think it's a fair statement to say that the rest of the crop may not have a star, at least as of yet. But, you know, they tend to move forward quickly at a young age, and you never know what you're going to get. They sure do. And, you know, with, with, with that said, I think each and every week we're going to see some progress and we're going to formulate some stronger opinions. And and and, and it's going to be an exciting time, obviously, as, as we transition into March and, and really get into the heart of the, uh, you know, the 50-point races onto the 100-point races. We've got a few seconds left here. Gino and I were talking about it the other day. This may be a good time for us to maybe see if we can do, uh, you know, perhaps a weekly feature or, or twice a month where we bring you on, uh, recap the, the prior weeks and, and look ahead to the following weeks, especially since it's going to really get um, hot and heavy here pretty soon. Yeah, I would love that. It's it's obviously being who I work for now and, and, and what I do, it's obviously the, the number one thing on my menu for the next several months. So I would love to do that. And, uh, you know, just real quick, one horse, you cut me off if you need to, one horse that we didn't mention that's from out here but raced in Louisiana is Instilled Regard. Yeah. Um, yep. A million-dollar million purchase or $1.05 million purchase for OXO Equine, Jerry Hollendorfer. Not, never really saw the dwarf ship to Louisiana for a race uh, outside of, um, I think he did it with Point Piper once in the last five years. But that horse was really impressive, has really um, moved forward since stretching out to two turns. You saw him in the Los Alamitos cash call futurity where he went toe-to-toe with McKenzie and Salamini. So I don't want to leave him out. And if you're playing in future wager uh, pool number two, if he's anywhere near the 30-to-1 morning line price, he might be worth diving in on us. And for you'll, a wanna, you'll want to play him before the Risen Star, too, which he'll run in on the 17th, because if he wins that race, then his price is going to really go down. I have him on fantasy in my uh, fantasy league, too. He was nice. one of the horses I spent the most on. I, I like his style, too, Scott. He really sits the trip, and he puts himself in a great spot. Um, let everybody know out there, where can we follow you, Scott, online, on Twitter, and we'll definitely be looking for more writing from you. Sounds good. Yeah, my Twitter account is at ScottShap34, and you can find my work uh, at brisnet.com. I do daily selections for the Southern California circuit and have a few handicapping articles up there a week, also on the TwinSpires.com blog. And then most recently I've started to be a feature writer for Bet America where I'm covering more of the national scene as well as the Derby Trail and other things like that. So um, plenty of places. Good stuff. And before we let you go, quick question for you. Are you going to be doing any coverage or, or Brisnet perhaps or, or any of the uh, the biggies that you work for going to do anything uh, regarding the big races coming from Tokyo and Kempton and is it Dundalk and Newcastle? We've got a little bit more of an international flavor than ever before. And then, of course, uh, there's always going to be the UAE Derby from Maidan. But are you going to be covering any of those or, or maybe be able to tweet out some articles on what we can expect from those circuits? 
Yeah, I mean, I'll be, I'll be following it, but it's far from my area of expertise. However, on twinspires.com, we have a really talented, uh, year, writer, um, analyst that follows the European scene and does a great job in the Breeders' Cup races, and I'm sure we'll be doing similar for the Derby prospects. And her name's Kelly Riley. Um, I would really highly recommend her work for both the Breeders' Cup when you don't know the Europeans as well as the foreign invaders when we get to the Kentucky Derby. So, uh, that's yeah, because it's, this is a, this is, there's a greater emphasis on the foreigners than ever before. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I like the concept. I'm kind of hoping and kind of waiting to see how Mendelssohn, uh, the winner of the Juvenile Turf, uh, what, what they decide over there, Coolmore and them, because that's a wild card contender for the Derby. I mean, he ran so well that day, and I know they thought that dirt was in the cards. But, but I lean on Kelly for, for a lot of my knowledge of the European and foreign invaders, and uh, I highly recommend following her work on Twin Spires. Good stuff. Excellent. We're up against Thanks, this. Scott. Thank you very, very much. Good luck with your move, and we'll be talking to you hopefully on a, a little bit more of a regular basis as we get hot and heavy into the Derby prep season. Everybody, please stay with us. We're going to be back with offensive lineman from the Cleveland Browns, Christian Snyder, in a brief moment. Stay right there. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network. And let's talk football. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, we're diving into planning your 2018 outdoor adventures. Find out about prime DIY hunting opportunities across the country. Get the how-tos of applying for tags and listen for advice from the pros who hunt full-time. Joining us is Kevin Steele, host of Peterson's Hunting Adventures, Jeremy Millette with Silencer Shop, Mrs. Bunny, and more. It's presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, everybody. Mike and Gino are going to be joined by our next guest, who is an offensive lineman from the Cleveland Browns. We don't Chris- want to talk 2017 Cleveland Browns. We want to talk moving forward Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns who are on the rise. We are talking about Christian Snyder. Good morning, Christian. How are you? Good, Mike. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me on the show today. Absolutely. Now, we want to talk a little bit about the Cleveland Browns, but before we get to that, one of the reasons why I wanted you on the show now, and full disclosure for everybody, Christian is a client of mine. I represent him. I am his, his agent. And I'll tell you, one of the things that really, really strikes me about Christian is his tenacity, his determination. He's got an ex- excellent story. 
you know, he played his college ball at UC Davis and immediately had an opportunity to get to that, make the jump to the NFL with the Green Bay Packers. And first day of rookie minicamp, he gets devastating news that he's got a herniated disc. So first question for you, Christian, how was it to hear that your dream was crushed as quickly as it began? You know, uh, it's one of those things, you know, playing in the NFL has always been one of my dreams since I started playing football. So to get to, you know, on that high that I was out in Green Bay when I first got there, and then to hear that my dream was going to be cut short at that moment it was honestly devastating. It was like a really high high to a super low low in my life at that point. And uh, it hurt, definitely. But I don't know, for my whole life, I've kind of like just kept on going. So as soon as, you know, I let myself, get through all the devastation, you know, I called my mom, called my dad, called you, Mike, and then I called uh, my girlfriend, and I told them, you know, I shed my couple of tears, and then I was already thinking about the next step, you know, uh, they referred me to a great doctor, Dr. Watkins out in LA, uh, I called him to set up a consultation, and then they told me I needed an MRI uh, disc to bring with me, and I called up my doctor the same day, and by the time I got to the airport the next day on my way back home, or back up to school in Sacramento, uh, I had everything I needed already set up. So, I mean, it definitely hurt. But after I let all that sink through, I was already getting ready to get to the next task so I could get back to where I wanted to be because I knew I, I, I know I could play at the next level. I just needed to get all this fixed before I could get back. Yeah, I mean, you go from thinking of, you know, fat, you know fantasizing and dreaming about protecting Aaron Rodgers, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in history and, you know, uh, a team that's usually a, a playoff contender, Super Bowl contender to, oh, crap, what am I going to do next? D- difficult flight back home, I'm sure. But you get back on your horse, like you said, and first thing you think, I'm going to get through this. Let's have the surgery. What was that like? And how was rehabbing a, a back injury? I mean, you could be a non-athlete and experience that. So why don't you share with the listeners, you know, what what goes into rehabbing the back? I mean, are you almost like starting to walk from scratch or, or how, do, how does that all play out? Well, the back surgery was super. When I went to Dr. Watkins, I mean, he's one of the best back surgeons in the world. He's worked on more professional athletes than I think anybody in the world had. And so, I mean, talking to him, he kind of explained it like riding a bike, like he could do it with his eyes closed. So I felt like I was really in good hands there. Uh, after the uh, surgery, he said everything went really well. And uh, then I just, you know, kind of chilled and let my back heal up a little bit before I went back to rehab. And as far as rehab, you know, it's, I mean, it's definitely not as invasive or uh, tough as having to learn how to walk again or anything, but it's just, I mean, your back is really stiff. I mean, having any type of surgery with people prying around inside your body, uh, definitely makes the muscles and everything around there really aggravated. So my back was stiff for a while, and it was just, you know, getting used to bending because I hadn't really bent or stretched in, I don't know, a month and a half or so when I got back to rehab. And it was really more of just strengthening the core around my spine so that and teaching my pelvis how to move independent of my spine, uh, my lumbar spine. So, I mean, it was a little bit of that, more of like just working on different movements, learning to tighten my, uh, tighten my core as I was doing different things. And, uh, it was tough. I mean, it was definitely weird, some new exercises to get used to. But, I mean, uh, for me, at least being an athlete and being put in different situations where you have to adapt pretty quickly, uh, I caught on to the movements pretty quickly, and I, I progressed pretty fast. I mean, my uh, PT was pleased with my progress every time I went. I probably annoyed her a lot, though, because probably for the first month after, uh, well, the month I had been there, I was asking her every time I went in if I was ready to start lifting so I could get back 
to training again just because that's all that I had in my mind. Once I knew that my back was good, I was like, well, I just need to get back on the field then. So, I mean, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, you, you're, you're, you're thinking about, heck, I, I, need, I, need to, I need to add some muscle here. I'm going to be having to, to go up against really fast 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", you know, 290-pounders that, uh, that can run yeah. like gazelles. I better, uh, I, better, I better get, you know, put some weight on and, and, and get back in, into my routine of, of, of being an NFL offensive lineman. When did you get exactly. into actual, like, contact-type, uh, you know, regimen, so to speak? Uh, how long did it take from the day of surgery to where, you know, somebody could knock you on your butt and you're not going to get hurt? I think, honestly, it wasn't until I went, when I went back up to Davis to finish my last quarter of school. So I would say, what, June to, like, probably sometime in, this, no, in October, I think. September of October was the first time I started having contact again. I felt good, but it's kind of weird. I wasn't scared about how my body would react to anything, but I was just trying to make, you know, take every precaution. I didn't want to do something too early and have a setback that would make me last even, like, that had me out even longer. So I definitely took my time and made sure that, made sure that my body was ready to take the contact. But I think when I got back up to school, I just started working with some of my teammates, you know, and doing a little one-on-ones just to make sure my body was ready. Because, I mean, the first the first hit after surgery, I wasn't sure how my body was going to feel. Like, you know, I had an idea of how I hoped it would feel. And it definitely met the expectation. I had contact, and I was like, oh, my God, I feel great. Like, I wish I played like this or I felt like this. Because I honestly didn't know uh, through my whole season how much pain I was in. Like, it was kind of normal to me to be a little bit, dis- like, uncomfortable because I guess I had just gotten used to it. So feeling having my back fixed and everything, it kind of showed me like, wow, this is what you were supposed to feel like your whole senior year. So it was so, definitely nice to get that out of the way. Yeah. So Gino, let me, let me, let me give the listeners a, a quick little recap. So, so Christian played his entire senior season with this herniated disc and powered through it. He was, he, he powered through it so much that he wasn't even aware that it was an issue. He thought, just thought it was just kind of just part of the, yeah. Just something nagging, like a nagging exactly. injury. Like exactly. Like small. Wow. So, so he played through the season, and then we're talking now, uh, you know, 2017 NFL draft, you know, uh, end of April, beginning of May. First uh, Thursday in May is, is, the, uh, is the rookie minicamp, or the first Thursday after the draft is the rookie minicamp. Shows up. This comes, you know, this news comes down. He has his surgery in June, rehabs it throughout the summer and the fall, beginning of the winter. And then we'll fast forward to just uh, a, a few weeks ago, uh, had an opportunity to be able to show where his strength is at. Cleveland Browns brought him in, general manager and assistant general manager, coaches, scouts. Uh, you know, they, they, they'll typically look at the best available players before the official free agency signing frenzy begins uh, in, in March. And they, they evaluated three players of different positions or four players, I believe, of different positions. And and Christian knocked it out of the park. And so moving forward, Christian, what before you get the playbook, mentally speaking, where are you at in terms of, hey, we've got a big challenge ahead of us here and, with the Cleveland Browns. They have not been a winning organization in a while. Well, let me know. piggyback on that real quick with kind of I wanted to kind of ask in, in the same light. It's got to kind of feel like this is a good spot for you as you coming in with this chip on your shoulder, wanting to prove yourself. This is a young team with a ton of talent that is kind of wanting to do the same thing as you are. No, definitely. I mean, this is, I feel like, a great place for me. Uh, first off, I mean, if Joe Thomas stays in the league, which I hope he does, I mean, to learn under Joe Thomas would be an amazing, put me in an amazing situation. So I'm super excited for that opportunity. 
But, I mean, just this rebuilding process, I mean, it'd be awesome. Mike and I talked about it to be part of, like, you know, uh, a team that gets uh, Cleveland back to the playoffs, you know. The love that those fans have for uh, their team, you know, I feel like that's something to give back to the fans who've been loyal for so long after, you know, all the hardship that they've gone through with this team. So I'm really blessed just to be in this situation. I mean, first and foremost, I'm really just blessed to be back in the NFL. I knew after the surgery it would be a lot tougher my second go-around to get back out there, you know, just based off, you know, the back surgery is kind of a big deal. Uh, anytime you start talking about injuries with the back. So I'm just super thankful that I got the opportunity that, you know, Elliot moving, Elliot Wolf, who's now the assistant GM with the Browns, uh, who was with Green Bay last year when I was out there, who uh, kind of, you know, got me a chance, gave me another chance to go out there and work out and show them what I had to offer. So I'm just, like I said, I'm just super blessed. I'm super excited just to get out there. Uh, I mean, right now I'm kind of just training, uh, training like normal, trying to keep things as normal as possible, uh, trying to get in touch with the offensive line coach just to see, you know, what kind of things I can work on. Uh, up until then, I've already talked to the strength coach to see what kind of program he has the guys on and the offensive linemen out there. So, I mean, I'm getting as prepared as I can just to get out there. But honestly, the hardest part is just kind of waiting because I want to be out there. I want to be with the team. You're ready uh, to roll. Yeah, exactly. You're ready to roll. For this. I've been waiting for this since, what, May 4th of last year when they uh, yep. when I got sent back home. So, I mean. Well, Mike, we got to check his progress all throughout the year. we got to bring him on. Throughout We're going to have a Cleveland Browns correspondent. Yep. And really <laughs> excited to see how things move forward. I know I told you at the beginning, a couple of my friends were joking and, and saying that they were going to make us break down all of the losses of uh, the Cleveland Browns game field in the last few years. We have a lot of Browns fans that are listening, and they'll be very excited to kind of hear you moving forward. So thanks, man. This was great. Absolutely. Course, Kristen, man, we got about perfect. a few seconds left. Why don't you tell everybody how they can follow you on social media? Uh, I have a Twitter. It's uh, at Chris underscore Schneid. Uh, Instagram is just Christian underscore Schneider. Uh, you know, I post. I don't post too much, but I definitely try to post inspirational stuff. You know, I'm really big on inspiration, especially that everything happens in my back. Uh, I'm really big on positive mindsets and all that stuff. So you can find me on there. If you have any questions, I'm more than willing to chat with anybody. So uh, absolutely. Hit me up. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, we're up against it here, so we got to let you go, Christian, but thank you very much. I can tell you firsthand, he's a great ball player and an even better human being. Cleveland's going to be very lucky. We thank you guys for tuning in to us, and we will see you next Thursday, same time, same place. Have a great sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.